content may not be appropriate for all audiences. Listener's discretion is advised. Hey there, this is Katie. This is one of our first couple episodes where we were still trying to figure out our flow and how we were going to do this, and it took us, like, a million years to come up with an outro line. That's true. So, (laughs) be nice. I know it's awkward, because we are awkward people, but we get the hang of it. It gets better, I promise. Plus, if you're looking for normal, you came to the wrong spot. (laughs) (laughs) Enjoy! Listeners, to what the fuck are you talking about? The podcast where we don't know what we're talking about until you do. I'm Katie. And I'm Decker. And we are here to ask each other, what the fuck are you talking about? So, probably for the first couple episodes, I'll kind of give a little rundown of how this is going to work. So, we've got six different categories of topics that we can pick from. And what we will discuss on the next episode will be determined by the role of a die. So the categories we've got are true crime, paranormal, history and education, science, entertainment, and current events. We will use an eight-sided die. If you roll a one, then you will go for the same six categories by rolling a six-sided die, with the caveat that what you talk about has to be local to the area we are in, which is Idaho. Um, Local meaning a state that borders Idaho. Canada is not a state. It borders Idaho. It is not part of this country. Shut the fuck up. I sure, I sure hope no one was confused about that one. Well, I was talking to some friends the other day, and they have a, they were talking to it was like a, a friend's wife or something that they had an argument with her about New Mexico being part of America. Oh. She did not think it was. Oh, no. And when they... Oh, no. When they finally got her to acknowledge that it was part of America, she was like, well, that's not common knowledge. <laughs> To be fair, though, I was struggling over a word last night. (laughs) To be fair. Um, (laughs) Too much letter Kenny in my life. Yeah, Canada, not a part of the U.S. At some point, I'm sure we'll talk about stuff from Canada, because Canada's cool. But not now. Ooh, ooh, question really fast. I know you're Uh starting us off. For those that want to play at home, maybe, are we going to post a listing of the the basic topics? We can do that. Cool. Um, Then they can talk about their Canada. (laughs) Right? Because apparently there's more than one. I don't know why I stated that way. <laughs> Whoops. I don't, I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but all right. All right. Um, and if you roll an eight, then it's a wild, and you get to pick whatever category you want. Ooh. All right. So I think for this one, it was kind of funny, because Decker actually rolled current events. And I sure did. I rolled history education. So he's going to talk about a current event, and I'm going to talk about a historical event. <laughs> So we're going to start in the present and move so back that's a nice to the past. Little bookend there. So, nice little time and I'm really excited about, about this one because it sounds like we've both got stuff to talk about that's real bananas. Oh my so. god, yes. Ugh. Like, <laughs> like, first off, I do want to disclaim that some of the stuff I might be talking about could be considered a little bit on the more, not necessarily political spectrum. It could be sensitive and you may not agree with it necessarily, but I just think it's important regardless to talk about it and I'll be trying to address both sides equally. Um... Yeah, mine might be a fucking doozy, though. <laughs> so, um, yeah. All right, Decker. What the fuck are you talking about? Oh, well, um, there's a lot that's happened this past week. And it was really hard for me to decide. 
um, with uh, Senator John McCain dying and the shooting that happened down in Florida. There was plenty to talk about, but I was hoping to talk about something that maybe not a lot of people had heard about. Um, and actually, uh, my good friend Katie, not this one, but uh, uh, good old Katie K. Um, so yeah, don't give her last name. No, yeah. Also not her social security ad number or her address. Or Darn it, it's all fives. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I. Uh, she told me about a news article I had just broken out about a gaming studio, Riot Games, um, where there is this huge controversy and um, about women in the workplace at this gaming studio. And, and it reminded me of a lot of different controversies that had happened with women in gaming, whether it was about characters in the, the games, like, right, like male characters are normally portrayed as, like, these big, strong guys and, like, you know, normally, like, a little bit more aggressive. And women are typically scantily clad, you know. In another castle. It, it, <laughs> right, yeah, typically they are... Um, if you can play as a strong Armor woman, they're still normally still hypersexualized, uh -huh. right? Because even though their their armor they're wearing gives them like you know plus a thousand whatever, it it's, covers it's three percent like of bra. Their skin. Yeah, so it's just they're really good at making sure it only hits that section. It, it covers just enough to keep whatever rating they're trying to get. Right. So again, so this topic here, it's gonna be jumping a little bit over over the, around the place. Um, there's gonna be a little bit of history just because I think it's important to talk about what's happened with. Right a little bit before and other gaming stuff because it'll make more sense with what I talk about later on. So first off, um, just basic history. Most people that have played games will easily remember how most games that were advertised on television were always advertised mainly towards guys. Um, I found apparently that starting around the 1980s, it was almost exclusively towards like mm -hmm. boys and like men in terms of the gaming community, and we started to see more. Um, I guess less clothing on women in terms of how like their gameplay is like like think of, like Mortal Kombat uh -huh. and like other fighting games or even like not fighting games just um yeah so with that though um we also saw the rise of I guess I never knew this but the, uh, the slang they're called booth babes which I guess is like another way for think of um, you could think of it as in like boxing like the the person that's the carrying the girls. next the ring girls right normally it's some sort of um, thing for an event where someone is dressed up for it like think of Laura Croft is a great example mm -hmm. her outfits are normally very either tight or um, minimal revealing there we go <laughs> minimal um, and so. It, You'd have these people going there to help build the pipe for the games, but it was almost exclusively for men because, let's face it, when you add sexuality to a lot of, like, the gaming industry, most people tend to jump on it because we're pretty sexual creatures. It's just, like, you know, you know what I mean? I don't yes. want to go down that road too far. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so one of the things that um, caught my attention was, as I was looking in this article, um... I was looking up, like, sexual harassment and things that happen towards women. So whether it's, like, the scantily clad, um, like, in terms of characters, normally in terms of development, you'll have characters, women tend to be a little more emotionally sensitive, where, like, they tend to be the first ones to break down in, like, gameplay. Like, if you think of, like, a trailer, um, one of them is uh, apparently with the new God of War, 
what some people are getting really upset about is they're like, well, you have the strong female character, but all of a sudden there's this cut scene where like a whole bunch of explosions go off and it just seems like a whole bunch of people just died and she just breaks down. Right. You can be a strong character and have um, like a growth. And be sad about mass death. Right. But yeah. Like, oh, that doesn't make you badass. It's like, uh, I don't know if you don't shed a tear for like, if, I mean, if those are people that like died down in like Florida and stuff mm-hmm. like that, if you if you don't have any kind of like sympathy or like remorse, like sorrow for that, you you're a little dead inside. Yeah, you might be a sociopath. <laughs> so um, that's that's the first test. <laughs> no, uh, so until that, we have something that I ran into that's called ambivalent sexism. So it's a, a theory in psychology where you have both hostile sexism and benevolent sexism. So hostile sexism is where it's like you're a woman. Like, you're not strong, right? Like, I'm biologically built to be, you know, the protector and the breadwinner and stuff like that. And, like, women are more towards nurturing and all that stuff, right? It puts puts you into a category that makes you kind of less value necessarily to me. It's also, like, the same thing, like, with, like, pay wages and stuff like that. Normally, like, why women will earn less? Well, it's because they're supposed to be with someone else that helps to financially support them. It's more like you're in addition to that. Um... So that's more of the hostile sexism. But also sexism would be like uh, boasting about why women are great in a light that doesn't actually talk about their, what's the word I'm looking for? I want to say like attributes, right? Like you're smart. That's great. It doesn't matter if you're a woman or a guy, you're smart. Whereas it's like, wow, you got this job because you're really good looking, right? It's using something about your gender to portray as to mm-hmm. why you're great rather than you innately doing something good. So, and I, like, that's something that can happen in the workplace where it's like you can give someone a compliment, right? And you can say, like, oh, well, you look nice today. Whereas, you're really strong for a woman. Yeah, it's both a compliment and demeaning, uh-huh. right? It's like, I mean, like, the common phrase is you throw like a girl. Right, that's one of the most common ones, and I think that may have come up in our car ride a while ago. When uh, I, uh, it, I don't think it was with you. Is when I went to go see the balloons. Um, side note, um, but yeah, so yes, you can be sexist even if you're trying to be kind. Yep. The more you know. It's but, a thing. Right. So on top of that, um, leading up to this, when people play games, typically you'll run into toxic environments, right? Like, if you're playing competitive, think of, like, shooting games like Halo or Call of Duty or, uh, you know, PUBG, probably, or Basically Fortnite. anything that's got, like, those kind of chat environments. Right, chat environments. Um, you can run into really aggressive people that... And some people will say they're just venting, right? At the same time, though, you can vent and be like, oh, shit, and like, dang it! And that's fine. But if you start threatening other people... Or I guess a common phrase, I never experienced this, but supposedly a common phrase is if you're like playing against like a woman who clearly like you can hear that they're a woman is like, go back to the kitchen or uh-huh. making a sandwich, that whole th- bit. Yep. Right. That extends past chat. Rooms. Right. And, and to be fair, <laughs> you're accounting that they can cook. Heaven forbid they go to your kitchen and maybe they're a horrible cook and they just burn down your house by accident. <laughs> right? That could go totally Accident. the other way. I'm Accident. Doing quotes, you can't see it, but. <laughs> yeah, hear it. Yeah, I don't think I can pick that up. Um, but you run into these environments where almost all the time, if there's a derogatory remark, it has to do with um, either like you being a woman, right? 
Or, and this is ironic, right? Games found more of homophobia remarks mm-hmm. than sexist remarks, which will make a lot more sense later on. Um, but yeah, I just found it really intriguing that, I mean, so that's just the components of like either characters in games or playing in games. Now let's talk about um, something else, which is like still characters in games, but also moving over towards more of the business section. So I was looking up to see, I wanted to see news about women in gaming, and I ran into a YouTuber by the name of, let's see if I get this right, Eight Thoughts, and he did a video uh, on, on that um, Gears of War 5 scene where he's totally against female characters being protagonists. Which, yeah, and he has quite a big following, which, and I mean, I guess you have your thoughts. Um, he, like, he has 200,000 subscribers, which I, like, for one, I was, like, fascinated that he had that high of a number with what he was talking about, and that everyone in his comment section was highly vocal. So it wasn't, like, a vocal, vocal minority. Mm. Everybody in his comment section was, like, pretty much on board with what he was saying. Okay. Because I do with, like, Social Justice Warrior, stuff like that, like... Basically, he said, I'm sorry, I don't have the quote verbatim. So if you want to know more, I have a link for that video. Um, but he basically said that women, I'm sorry, they aren't badass. They don't have testosterone. They aren't built like men. I know, and I want you, I know you have so much you want to say. Let me get through it, though. And I then don't I will. think I can vocalize <laughs> my thoughts right now because it's just. Right. And so, because his character, um, he says, it, it, and I think the other thing is he does have kind of a valid argument, and it might be just in terms of character development, where that character I mentioned, in terms of the showcase for the gameplay, this character breaks down crying, and then almost immediately shows cutscenes of her just mauling, like just destroying. Hold on, the is, this, is this Gears of War or God of War? Gears of War. Okay. Not not Dad of War. It's Gears of War. Gears well, of War Five. Because previously you mentioned God of War. Did I say God of War? You did. Sorry, uh, that was wrong. Gears of War. Okay, I'm less confused. Right. Now. Yeah. Sorry. So Gears of War Five. Um, where, like, this female character broken down emotionally distraught, and all of a sudden she just jumps back up to fighting. And I can understand the disconnect, because it's like, was there growth? And I don't know how the game works, necessarily. I don't, I'm not sure how she progresses up, how the fighting goes. Maybe in combat, maybe she's even, like, second-guessing herself, and, like, maybe with, like, some internal dialogue while she's fighting. But if that was the case, that's just bad writing, because you can't have a character that's just broken, and then all of a sudden they just go, like, stone cold like that unless that's written in their character maybe they have like dual persona something like that um but just saying women are innately badass is i i wouldn't set yourself up for that (laughs) because there are a lot of really badass women they don't have to be aggressive though you can have badass women in politics you can have badass women in education you can have like just because you're not a very aggressive assertive individual doesn't make you innately badass if anything it just makes you um confrontational right (laughs) so um i just find it intriguing because then you have like people like laura croft right he didn't mention that right like laura croft she's supposed to be very intelligent very good fighter at the same time though the reason why that's acceptable is She's a little revealing. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, even in, like, the newer games, she kind of has, like, a slight damsel in distress thing kind of going on. I haven't played through the whole games. This is mainly from what I've seen from other people playing. Um, but she doesn't seem to act like a character in distress, but she tends to be hypersexualized. Then you also have, um, like, a game that I know that there's a strong 
female character in is uh, Horizon Zero Dawn mm-hmm. with Aloy. Oh my god, don't you ever call that woman not badass. Not only is she super smart, not only, like, and you have, like, other dialogue options, which don't make any sense. I don't know why they give you dialogue choices. Yeah. Kind of. Because, I mean... They don't really... They don't I, do much. Like It's so that you feel like you have agency, but really the game's gonna right. be what the Right. It's only good for, like, anyway. maybe, like, one quest, if I remember correctly. But... Like, she's fighting giant machines, all by, like, going against bandits, stuff like that. And sure, you could say that that's just a guy with a female skin slapped on top of it, but I think the only thing different between a man and a woman is literally a chromosome. Other than, like, your genetic build, because there are guys that are really scrawny. There are women who are quite ripped. Right. Um, like one of the examples this guy has is he has Serena Williams stating that she could not compete with men on uh, the Letterman show back when uh, Letterman was on. Um, to which I'd say it's kind of a bummer that you put yourself in that light because you could argue, yes, men tend to have you know, more testosterone, but that just helps with muscle growth. Right. Serena's a great athlete. Then you have. um you know, faster fibers and slow twitch fibers, right? And then you have, like, two X fibers, which are just, like, a little, kind of, like, a little bit in between. You have all these different things that make up a person. Your genetics is not going to hold you back from any kind of either mental activity, physical activity, like, uh, uh, social interaction, right? There's nothing different, really, with that. I mean, you could argue with psychology that women tend to group up more, and that may do, be due to a lot of stuff long, long ago with, like, hunter and gathering, stuff like that. But guys hang out all the time, too. Like, I don't understand the concept of this. And so I know I went a little bit on a tangent, but this is kind of leading up to what's going to be happening later, which is, um, let's talk about people that are currently gaming right now, which is Ninja, right? Ninja, huge Fortnite gamer. And this is not for me to, like, shit all over Ninja, because I understand where he's coming from. But uh, there was a thing that happened a while ago in the news where he was talking on Twitch while playing Fortnite about, like, someone asked, are you going to play with some more female gamers? To which he said no. And what he said was, I don't want to play with them pretty much. And just to summarize it all, again, I have all these links here, but to uh, summarize, he basically didn't want it to be misconstrued that there was anything happening with these women, right? Because there is this portrayal when people when guys play with girls right it's like oh well you must like them it's like or can't we just be friends does the whole goal of me hanging out with people just to get in their pants <laughs> i mean if that's your goal then okay but that, that i mean i don't hang out with my guy friends because i want to get in their pants like and you could argue that it depends on like your sexuality and stuff like that but still if you can't Interact with the opposite sex without it being construed, right? Without being construed as you wanting to be with them, like whether it's in a romantic way or a sexual way, stuff like that. Then we have a different problem. We have a problem with how you view an approach, which has to go with the whole like now. How do I talk with women in the workplace? Stuff like that. It's easy. If if you like someone, you tell them. If they say no, you back off. Super easy. And maybe don't touch them. Sure. Yeah, maybe don't touch them. And if you go in for a hug and they like they look like maybe they're uncomfortable with it, or they tell you like uh, I, you know Back like I, I appreciate it, but you know like I'm okay kind of thing. Read into that a little bit more and be like, okay, she accepts, appreciates the gesture, but maybe she doesn't want to be touched. That's totally fair. Next time you can just use words of condolence, right? So there's so many different ways to interact, but with Ninja, it's 
he, he's afraid that it's going to be clickbait, and supposedly he's been getting uh, uh, messages um, that have been going to his wife, like saying, oh, this is clearly Ninja like cheating on you or stuff like that. Oh, and, it, it, and that's absurd. And so that's why I understand his whole mentality. Like, if that's already been happening... I get it, because he wants to protect his marriage. Like, he constantly talks all the time about how he's married, right? So that way, it can't be misconstrued as him, like, alluding to how he's not, or to try and, like, get anyone. Like, he's clearly stated, I am married. There is, I am committed, right? So I get it. But the problem is, is since he's so high up on that leaderboard, like, everyone knows Ninja, if, like, you play Fortnite or any games or even just watch Twitch, he's, like, no, like up near the very top. By setting that precedent, anyone else that's below him that wants to get to that level and wants to avoid that, like, you're going to look to him for advice. And not all of them are going to follow it, but those that want to get in the spotlight where he's at, they might be like, that's smart, because last thing I want to do is I don't want to get some sort of controversy mm-hmm. on me. Because, you know, whether you, whether you agree with it or not, any kind of statement as to alluding to something's happened between people, regardless if it's true or not, still will stick in people's minds for a long time. Mm-hmm. Think of like Michael Jackson and uh, like uh, him being with like children or like mm-hmm. any like like rape claims, whether or not, right? Whether it's been introduced or not, there will always be a fragment of people that'll be like, no, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Right? It, it never fully goes away. So I can, I, that's why I totally understand. The problem is, is because you have two options then. If you're always worried about that, the next time there's going to be something different. Maybe it won't be with women. Maybe it will be with certain gameplays that talk about politics, right? Then you maybe don't play those games anymore. Now you start limiting yourself. So the question becomes, would you rather be in a safer place? And none of these are right or wrong. Would you rather be in a safer place where you choose to avoid that, but you completely isolate a whole other group of whether people, gameplay, stuff like that, being introduced into your environment and then kind of having like a symbiotic relationship between both to both grow? Or do you say, screw that, I'm still going to play with women because all the... the, I don't want to make this sound derogatory and say that they're just women, but I'm just a man, right? It's just people. It's just people, right? Just with different uh, chromosomes. Do you just just say, screw that, actually let them play with you, and then just hopefully... You're, I mean, the wife didn't even ask him to do this. Supposedly, he says that this was a choice that he made on his own. And I totally understand respect. But do you choose to forego that and not choose to isolate just such a massive group of people? Because a sur- uh, there's a survey in 2014 that I found that has to do with um, how many women now playing, like how the population of game players are. And I found that, <clears throat> no, not that one there. Like, in terms of gender, the average people, 52% were male, 48% were female, right? So that's absurd, because, like, still, like, even for my mind, most of the time I think it's mainly guys that play games, even though I know like, we play games together mm-hmm. all the time. I wouldn't think it's that common. That number still surprised me, though, that it was, like, so even. Well, I've seen something that's really interesting lately is that I've seen several articles about the resurgence of tabletop gaming and how D&D is, like, back in the spotlight and everything. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is because a lot of women are playing. Yeah. Whereas before, like, like back in the 80s, the the 90s, it was like, if you wanted to do that kind of stuff, you were basically signing yourself up to not have any friends because everyone was going to laugh at you. Right. And, like, even, like, I had another one here where the statistic says that 50%, uh, like, 
out of all the computer gamers, it's literally an even split based on this survey here. Mm -hmm. So the fact that, like, effectively what Ninja could be cutting out is half of the gaming population. Mm -hmm. if, like, technically he could. I mean, like, not everyone's going to be, like, a pro gamer or anything like that, but that statistically he has at least that much of a chance, maybe less. Right? So that, to me, is it's concerning. I understand it and I empathize with it, but it becomes a choice of... Do you rather make yourself safe, or like from that, or do you, or do you help push for not necessarily an agenda? Do you help things progress? Mm -hmm. Do you help normalize things? Because anytime there's something new, let's let's go. I mean, you know, you have history, but um, like slavery, mm -hmm. and let's go with like then like blacks being segregated, right? Or just like even other ethnicities too, like Irishmen being like you know put down, stuff like that. Everything initially had pushback. Mm -hmm. There was select few, or maybe not select few, but I mean, that's just how portrayed in history, that said, no, I'm not cool with that anymore. Let's change. There will always be pushback. The question then becomes, do you choose to grow? Which now leads me to Riot Games. So Riot Games, um, th these are the people that made the game League of Legends. Super huge MOBA, has one of the biggest cash prizes if you win their tournament, stuff like that. They were under a ton of heat because it was, uh, uh, based on Kotaku's um, news reporting, a whole bunch of either ex-employees or current employees had come to them, and they'd been doing this investigation for months, I believe they said this started back in December of last year, that had stated... <laughs> that there was a lot of sexism and like hostility in the workplace environment. Um, what happened was, is you have a lot of these uh, women who are, cause you know, they're gamers, they're developers, they're into um, coding, they're into just business models, whether it's finance or marketing, right? Only thing different is that they're women and they're applying for these jobs and supposedly being told they're not gamer enough, right? That they like, Maybe they play Mario or something that's lesser, like a platforming, stuff like that. But because of that, they're not playing these MOBAs, which, you know, one may argue that those are very, I don't want to say basic. They're very monotonous in terms of their, their lanes. For those of you that don't know MOBAs, they're lane games. Basically, you pick your characters. There's typically three to five lanes, depending on what kind of game you're playing. And you'll go down a lane, and it's basically a game of capture the flag. But once you capture it, you don't have to take it back to base. You just have that flag. So I'm on one side. I'm blue. The other side's red. We're going down these lanes, trying to take out each other's enemies and main characters. And then if we get all the way to the end and destroy all this stuff before they destroy all of ours, we win. Very simple concept. It's like vaguely tower defense-ish. Yeah, it, it's a tower defense, but more interactive, yeah. though, right? So you have this game that's basically going from point A to point B, and if you get to point B, you win. Whereas like other games like Overwatch and stuff, they might be carrying the package to some place or protecting it from getting you know destroyed. Um, so that's what a MOBA is. And you have these women that, because they're not playing either League of Legends really heavily or not playing real games like call of duty he did Halo. air quotes there i so did sorry here here's the here's the <laughs> there's the air quotes you felt those on the mic um because they don't play games like that they're not gamers which one tells me that either they are so up their ass that they don't know what gaming is because i personally i don't like those kinds of shooting games because for me they just seem so bland mm-hmm to me, I mean, then again, I play a lot of RPGs, but that's just my personal preference. That does not mean those games aren't actual games. Um, and that 
what's funny is you'll have people who uh, in part, the article I was reading, you had this person who had played Warcraft for ages, and then they start asking her very specific questions about Warcraft. It seemed like they were trying to find a reason mm-hmm. based on this article to see why they could disqualify her. And I think the last question that said what they asked her is, what was your favorite trinket that you ever got in World of Warcraft? And the thing is, like, she was an avid gamer. She knew this all off the top of her head. Mm-hmm. And then it seemed like she reluctantly got the job, is what she stated. Like, because they could not find a reason to not hire her and to avoid any kind of, like, wrongful, like, you know, discrimination and stuff like that, they eventually let her in. And so... Well, that's not the only case. Also, in this article, you have people pitching ideas. There was one lady who she wanted to pitch an idea for a game, um, and she was shut down saying that it was like that it's not that great, that there's no way to really develop it. And she wanted to test this theory. And and these are all by anonymous people uh, for the company because a lot of them want to protect their job, right? Yeah. They don't want to get fired because that's they try to stand up for change, <laughs> right? So. Um, they told one of their male colleagues to pitch the same job, a good friend of theirs. They pitched the job and it was received with wide acclaim that it was going to be a fantastic idea and go. And then she said that her friend who had pitched it had started crying. Right. And uh, I bet he didn't expect that to happen. Did he? Sure. Because like a lot of us don't expect that when, when you're not on the side that it's happening to, mm-hmm. it's not that we're choosing to be blind. It's, it's the idea of we don't understand the situation because we've never been a part of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am a white male. So a, a lot of people would argue I have a lot of privilege and I'm not going to say I don't because I'm a guy. But you can it, have privilege and not be aware of it. Right. Because exactly. It's not something that you've had to. It's like think of for. people being wealthy and people mm-hmm. not being wealthy. You might say that you're not privileged, but you definitely have a lot more opportunities than those that maybe have lesser finance, Mm -hmm. uh, allegedly based on, uh, allegedly, based (laughs) on you have resources that other people don't, right? Just because you don't acknowledge your privilege doesn't mean that you don't. Mm -hmm. And this is not me going, getting on a platform and saying like, everything needs to change. But I want, people need to recognize that one, women can be gamers, Right? I play with you all the time, and you wiped the floor with me on Splatoon <laughs> yesterday. And there's a lot of great gamers. In fact, there's, like, oh, heck, there is a character in a game called Overwatch named Diva, who is widely claimed as one of the best gamers, and I think it is in South Korea, if I remember correctly. I don't know all the lore off the top of my head. And she's a character that plays games in a game, kind of meta, but, I mean, you have people pitching these ideas of women being, like, things are starting to change, where it's like, women can be independent. You have movies like Brave, where they don't need a love life kind of mm-hmm. thing that has to happen in order for them to have the spotlight, in order for them to grow, in order for them to hit their dreams, right? Not everything requires some sort of romantic or anything like that. Um, it's just, it's so hard for me to understand why, if you were to give me an idea, why I would shoot that down, and if someone else says the same idea, why I might be okay with them, right? You, we could have the exact same interview for the same job, have the exact same qualifications, but based on if you're too emotional, because you're passionate, mm-hmm. if you're too aggressive, because you're ambitious and you have ideas, that that's negative. But if I have the exact same thing, it's that kid has heart, mm-hmm. right? He has drive. He has he has an imagination, right? It's it's almost laughable 
that the exact same things that we can try to do get turned in a different mm-hmm. light. Well, it's like when going back to when you were like, oh, you know, people being a badass because they're, you know, X, Y, and Z. If a guy does that, it's, oh, he's a badass. If a girl does that, oh, she's a bitch. Right. Right. And then some people will own that title and, like, they'll be like, yeah, I am a bad bitch and stuff like that. Um, which uh, part of me is, like, good on you. And also, like, it's bummer that you have to keep, like, like that we have to keep perpetuating that. But, like, I'm glad mm-hmm. that you decided, like, you took that on as armor rather than as, like, an assault. Mm-hmm. Um, but... It's just so crazy that, and I mean, that's pretty much what the whole article talks about, is it just talks about all the time about, um, oh, like, I have, like, exact quotes here. One of the funniest things was, a big part of Riot Games in general is we want to have the most player-focused game in the company in the world. Um, Part of that player focus is really understanding that experience and living and breathing that experience. So if they're trying to develop characters that are independent that don't need like love life that don't need me sexualized and they're hiring that so their games can be better then what the hell are they doing because they're not doing what they if they want to be leading these MOBA games if they want to be leading in character development if they want to keep their franchise growing and not get overtaken by other companies the more diversity you have the better because all that is is that's another resource for you to use in terms of a business model it's something that you can market in terms of a um uh publicity model right showcasing and stuff it shows that you're sympathetic not only that but that you're also super inclusive right one of uh, the other games that got underneath a whole bunch of fire a while ago was Baldur's Gate by them having it they had a trans woman in the game and a lot of people argued that it just didn't have a lot of development stuff like that but there was a lot of heat that because they're like this game in this world they're like it has no room for trans people as if like, as if like other universes that people try and develop that because I play the game, I understand it more and it it should not allow for there to be other kinds of genders. Cause it's like basically their whole argument was this is an agenda that's trying to be pushed by either social justice warriors or by the leftists. Again, not everyone was like, all right, that was not even all right. Not everyone was saying this stuff. Um, that was totally against it, but the whole thing was like, this world shouldn't have this because it wasn't necessarily introduced. To which I say, sure, but you can all go argue historically, like if we want to go like really far back, like the Bible and stuff, there weren't, as, I, as far as I know, when I read that, there's not trans people in the Bible, and yet we have them now. So it's more of a question of, was that, the, like, did we change to that, or has it always been the case, but things changed to allow that to come to the light? Right? So. Um, another thing is that they're trying to, sh- uh, they say Red Games hopes that by sharing initiatives and their results, they can inspire similar efforts across the whole video game industry, which all they're doing now is if they're putting down women and they are not pr- yeah, promoting them, you like that. That's fucking great. like one of them said that women, like, like there, there was this uh, lady who'd been applying for the, this promotion and there's someone, uh, I believe there was another woman in there that was helping people, women trying to get more promotions in the company, that there'd be someone who had three less years of experience that... Um, had not showcased all of the kind of um, major improvements that she had, that she had to announce that this person was getting that job that she had been working so hard to get. Could you imagine how disheartening that would be? It'd be like a slap, not only a slap in the face, uh, it'd be like getting shit in your face and having to deal with it just sitting there, mm-hmm. right? It, like In terms of an HR standpoint, that was a dumb decision. You should not have someone that's complete for the job Automatically say, "I'd like to announce that this person's getting a job." Yeah, because that sows that's a true. lot of contempt. 
within the company. Um, I just, yeah, it was fascinating. I'm surprised it's not being publicized more. The funny thing is, Riot Games made a total, like, overcorrection. Because what they ended up doing was, and this was yesterday, there was new news. Um, huh, new news. Uh, <laughs> that they had, oh, what was it? They had decided to have a event where only women could go in to express their concerns about gaming and everything like that. Which now all you've done is, yeah, you're right, you just included women, but the point isn't to put that, like, you, you did the wrong way. You did, like, reverse segregation, where it's like, I'm now trying to have you say your story, but it's not with either. men in the same room. Because the whole point is, you're trying to be equals, but because there's, like, now it's only men, okay, yeah, we have to fix that, let's just... And I think the, they had a statement in the article that said, well, if you already shot yourself in the foot once, it's better to just shoot the other foot. Uh, and I'm like, no! <laughs> That's a dumb thing to say! It, yeah, so... Right now, supposedly, there are a lot of people who have either lost their jobs because they weren't nearly as passionate, you know, with the company. Which, if that's the case, then that's, I guess, okay. Because um, the whole point of, like, you being able to do your job is you're good at your job, you want to do your job, you're ambitious, like, you're trying to improve, right? If you're not good at your job, that's fine. It doesn't matter what gender you are. It doesn't matter your orientation. But if you're not getting promoted, if you're not keeping your job because you're considered to not be a full like a gamer whether it's you're a girl or you're not playing these certain types of games then not only are you being ignorant you're actually in terms of a business standpoint you're shutting down a huge area of potential growth and innovation because none and that's another thing too there were women who applied for jobs that didn't game at all and they just wanted to work for the company mm -hmm. and they got turned down because they're not gamer enough and i understand trying to keep your culture right but if you only have one group if you only have gamers what about having non-gamers what about having novelists mm -hmm. what about having uh, people who are they don't game but they're really good at music or they're really good at art I think we've all played a game where it's like the gameplay was great, the story was shit. Right, and and in terms of your company be just just growing exponentially, you're shutting down that work. Now I would say, as a gamer, right? I'm not a gamer. What am I saying? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, I, what I'm trying to say is, in terms of gameplay, you should have gamers play but you should also have other people mm -hmm. play because if you want to get through the market and hit people that don't buy games yet, you need people who don't play games and get them to be excited uh -huh. about those games. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like I, there's billions of dollars out there that they're not even touching on because they're like, we only want to do this for gamers. Yep. But the only reason they're gamers is because you gave them something to want to game. You gave them that thing. There are games now that like most people wouldn't consider games, like visual novels, mm -hmm. right? It's not a game. It's an experience, and people love playing those, but maybe I don't want to play another um, Gears of War. I said it right this time. Well, some people don't want to sink, like, 80 to, you know, 320 fucking hours into a game. They don't have right. time for that. Like they an just want to do something that they can do. You know, like like a simulation game where they're like, oh, I can I can plug like twenty minutes, have a good time, and then go on with my life. Like, yeah, Mario Party. Not everybody wants All to these... spend half their life playing Skyrim. Yeah, right. I mean, some of us do, but <laughs> um, it, it just 
it baffles me so much, not only for the overcorrection, but that they don't understand. They still don't get it. They still don't get it. And I guess the, a lot of people say that it has to do with, like, they were a startup company, right? And they started with, like, primarily only men, which there's nothing wrong with that. And let me be completely clear. There's nothing wrong with having mostly men in a company. What is wrong is when only men can get up there. And yes, I'm a guy saying this, but I also, if I get jobs, I want to get the job because I was good at it, not because I was a guy mm-hmm. and because even though I was, I was underqualified, for some reason that made me better than a woman who applied for my same position. Mm-hmm. Because you know what that makes me feel like? That makes me feel like I was a shoe-in. And if I were to ever hear about that, not it would make me, now I'd be questioning myself as to whether I deserve this job, which then might lead to me either quitting or doing less work because now it's like, I didn't get this job because I'm good. I want to get a job. I want to, I want to grow, mm. whether it's like this podcast or music or writing. I want to do well because I do well, not because of what I am on the surface. Mm-hmm. So other than that, um, the last thing I want to leave off here is they say they start off that they are a meritocracy. For those who don't know what a meritocracy is, it's basically the idea of everyone in the company electively makes a decision as to where to go. Right? So they say that. And if they want to actually do that, the only thing that they really need to do is it's not a hire more women to hire more women. It's that if there are women who are applying for your positions that are qualified, who are really good at what they do, don't overlook them. For yeah, don't overlook them because qualified. there's a guy involved, right? Hire them because not only that you want them, not only because you need them, because they're damn good at what they do. Mm-hmm. And they're a perfect fit for that role. So if you actually want to have a meritocracy, if you actually want to grow as a business, right? Riot Games, you need to include not just women, right? Not just like any kind of other ethnicity. Not just gamers. Everything. Any kind of different background people have. I mean, heck, I'm a musician that works for a tech company right now. Right? You would argue based on logic, I wouldn't have gotten hired by that tech company. And yet I'm working for them because I'm good at what I do. So, yeah, that's kind of... And the answer is not hiring unqualified women for positions because that doesn't help either. Because that's bad in terms of business model and it also makes you... I don't know what... shitty people. (laughs) What? Is there like a... is there like a uh, not political? Is there like a term for that where you choose to hire people based on not what they do, but based on who they are? I think there there is a term for that, and I can't I can't think of what it is. But yeah. I think there's a thing. Yeah, but there's basically a whole bunch of other things on this too, like cultivation theory. Whereas, like, the more you're exposed to television and video games, it changes your perceptions. There was so many other things that I would get into that. One, I'm just mentally fatigued at this point. <laughs> and two, it just it starts leaving the spectrum of women in gaming. So, I mean, I would love to hear uh, whoever's listening to this right now, as we have not even uh, put this out yet. But if anyone does find this really intriguing, I would love to hear what you guys think about women in gaming. And it doesn't matter, like, if you were against my viewpoint completely, that's even better. Because, like, I like watching like I read Fox and CNN. I, I tried to look at everything else in a wide spectrum because my, my whole thing is I want to get to what's at, what it actually is. 
So whether it's so you have to wait through all the shit, right? But the only way you can wait through all the shit is if you get both sides. Uh-huh. So whether or not you agree with my stance or you totally disagree, let me know because I'd love, you know, that, that I think that's what gets us to actually make changes. Is the more that we can understand each other, the more we can actually Open find dialogue. something that works for everyone involved. So, yeah, that was what the fuck I was talking about. <laughs> all right. So Katie, WTF are you talking about? All right, so I am going to talk about a historical event. Um, this, I had history education. Um, this kind of goes into both a little bit because it's a lot of education about a historical event. Mm. Um, I'm excited. Have you heard of Exercise Tiger? No, it sounds like either a weird wrestler name or like the most absurd workout video. Okay. Oh my gosh, yeah. Speaking of which, there's a workout video I want to show you later on that's hilarious. But okay. sure, go ahead. <laughs> um, so, Exercise Tiger. Exercise Tiger, yeah. Operation Neptune was one of the code names for what we commonly refer to as D Day. Okay, this took a turn that I wasn't expecting. Yes, we're taking it all the way back to, like, 1943, 1944. Mm. Um, D-Day was June 6, 1944. Okay. That was a super large-scale invasion. Beaches of Normandy, France. Um, I'm going to use code name, like, the code names for D-Day to refer to, like, things that were in France, so you don't have to be subjected to any more of my shitty French this episode. <laughs> I think you got enough of that last time. <laughs> Um, That's great. If it's not a ballet term, my French is bad. Yep. So, <laughs> um, we're specifically, so you've got this huge large scale invasion. Something like that is super important to, to get right. So you might want to practice this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, also, during this time, the draft was going on all over the place. Right. People were being drafted as young as like seventeen. So, mm-hmm. the, like most of the military, the American military was made up of children, basically. Yeah. Um, like ages seventeen to. You'll like, be fine, Johnny. Go on. Basically, and then a lot of the like, oh, I'm I'm super macho. I'm seventeen. I'm gonna enlist. Blah blah blah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was going on. So you have the American military, which is mostly made up of guys that are super green. They've never seen combat. They don't know what they're going into. This average of a graphic is probably like around 20-ish. How many young people are going in? Yeah. For... For Exercise Tiger, there's... Oh, God, that is... I'm going to jump too far ahead. And Sorry, no, that's fine. Ignore um, my statement. I will, I will go back to that. Okay. Um, so General Eisenhower wanted to give his boys some practice because he, you know, he thought they needed some toughening up. Uh, as, as I would assume which, you would. <laughs> I feel like it's a fair assumption because if you... I mean, if you grew up in, like, rural Wyoming, you don't know what artillery sounds like. You don't know what it sounds like to I be under a naval, over there. like you don't know what it sounds like and smells like and feels like to be under naval barrage. So like that's fair. Oh, okay. Like you you want them to be prepared to go into combat, okay. especially with something like D-Day where if you lose your advantage, you're fucked. Because then you just throw all your resources at nothing. Uh-huh. So, okay. Uh, there were there were several beaches that were invaded, I believe. But the like the two main ones that you hear about is Omaha Beach mm-hmm. and Utah Beach. 
Utah, okay. you hear about less than Omaha. Right. Omaha's like the big one that everyone talks okay. about. Um, so they were looking, the Allies were looking for places where they could practice this. Okay. They found a beach in England. By, it's in, um, in Devon. It's called Slapton Sands. And it bears okay. a like, striking resemblance to Utah Beach in France. Okay. Um, and it's, it's like set up the same way that Normandy is, where you, could, you can do naval landings. So they were like, perfect, this is where we are going to practice this. It'll be great. Um, so they, they started naval, or they started landing exercises and just basic, basic practice in December of 1943. Exercise Tiger was the largest one, to, or one of the largest to take place. I think it was the largest to take place. And it was supposed to happen April 22nd through April 30th of 1944. And it was going to focus on all elements of invasion, culminating with a beach landing, which, as we know, is what they did at Normandy. Yes. Uh, So there were... Utah Beach was the designated landing place in France. France. That's okay. I wasn't going to call you out on it, but all right. (laughs) In France for, like, 21,000 troops. That's a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that's like all of Boise. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I feel like there might be more. People no, no, sorry, sorry, two hundred ten thousand. Sorry, that I, I was like, that. Uh, <laughs> whoops. That's <ugh>. me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's a lot of people, and the landing at Utah Beach. I've seen varying numbers. There were between one hundred ninety-seven to two hundred fifty casualties. Okay. Exercise Tiger over two days. There were four times as many casualties. What? Okay. <laughs> oh. Yeah, this is bananas. It's gonna get. Whoops. Buckle the fuck up because it's gonna okay. get crazy. I I only have my chair. I'm not equipped with a seatbelt. <laughs> <laughs> so in the in late 1943, England began preparations for doing these naval practice runs. Mm-hmm. Um, they set up the training ground at Slapton Sands, which is the beach. The bay that is in is called Lime Bay. Um, and so there, but you know, it's a country, there's people living there at Slapton Sands. So it's hard to have like confidential secret military practices with all these people living here. Mm. So the British military gave, or like the Royal military gave that, or maybe it was the Royal Navy. I don't Somebody gave all of the residents of Slapton Sands six weeks to leave. And they were told that their, that area was being commandeered for naval purposes and I watched a lot of videos and interviews with people that were like, I mean, there was a war on. Nobody asked any questions. We just left. But also... Did they have anywhere to go? Like, did they give them a place to stay? Or did they just literally I don't acquisition know. their land and just be like, okay, bye? I don't know. Okay. Um, I mean, the people eventually went back to their homes. That's good. I'm glad the homes were still um, But since part of this training... They wanted them to get used to the artillery fire and everything, so they were using live ammunition. So they were like, well, got to keep these people safe. Let's move them out. They weren't, like, just shooting out powder? No. Like, just, okay. No, they were using live ammunition. I guess to some of the else, like, the landings and stuff. So Slapton Sands had about, or Slapton had about 3,000 residents, and they all had, they were all evacuated. That's good. To preserve the secrecy and safety and blah, blah, blah. Um, all got out. For a lot of the people, this is the first time they'd ever left their village. 
So can you imagine never leaving your village and then being told like, hey, guess what? We're taking this for the military. There's a war on. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Um, so they left. Um, but also, like, the people, like, secrecy, the people knew what was happening. They knew that it was being taken. For some sort of military exercise for, or something. Yeah. Um, and, like, I watched an interview with this guy who was a kid when it happened, and he was talking about how they would, like, sneak down and, like, spy on what was going on. And just, like, <laughs> I, spy is not the right word. But they, they, were, they, were just, they were kids. They were curious. And they've been told, you can't go here. So, of course, they so went there and, like, I'm gonna go there. looked at what was going on. So, basics of Operation Tiger. Or exercise tiger. There's, uh, they're called, so they're, I'm going to abbreviate them as LSTs for the rest of the thing. That stands for landing ship tank. Okay. Um, those were instrumental to the success at Normandy. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are the boats that the U.S. made that carry the tanks and the jeeps and all of those things. Um, they're also referred to as large tank landing ships. Um, I saw a, an interview with a guy who was actually on an LST, and the people that were on them referred to them as large stationary targets. Right, because everyone would want to try and hit the equipment. They were slow, also. Like, yeah. they were big, they were slow. I mean, think of, like, an aircraft carrier. Like, they're not that big, but they're not fast. Right. And they're not necessarily equipped for combat. So, I mean, they do have they do have guns, they can shoot, blah, blah, blah. Like, they do have web- and weapons and protection, that kind of stuff. But it's not a battleship. It's not a destroyer. It's not going out there and doing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So the this was supposed to have a convoy of nine LSTs. And I believe the convoy was called, it was Convoy T4. Um, I know I have that in my notes somewhere else. So No, I was right. Convoy T4. So that was supposed to be nine LSTs with 30,000 troops that were going to do this mock landing. Mm -hmm. Um, This was going to include live fire so that the troops could get accustomed to the sound, the smell, the, you know, the feel of being in live artillery. Mm -hmm. Uh, The exercise area, so Lime Bay, was being patrolled and protected by the Royal Navy. They had two destroyers, three motor torpedo boats, and two motor gun boats that were patrolling the entrance of Lime Bay. Mm-hmm. And motor, torpe- motor, mm, motor torpedo boats were watching the Cherbourg area where German uh, E-boats, also referred to as S-boats, were based out of. Okay. Um, so the... if. S is more from the German name. So the German name of those is Schnellboot. Okay. And like if you break it down to like English, then it's like S is speed. So these were these were fast. They were like the fastest thing on the ocean at the time. They were faster than anything the Allies had. And I mean in relatively like like in relative to the other boats that were around, they're small, but I like looking at them, they're fucking massive. They were huge, super fast boats. Um, and I want to make sure that you're not thinking, uh, the e-boats, no, you mean U-boats. No, I do not mean U-boats. I mean e-boats. E-boats. E-boats, S-boats. They're on top of the water, not underneath. So there's that in the area. So they have some some boats patrolling over there. They've okay. got a bunch patrolling the entrance. There were mm-hmm. also two boats that were with Convoy T4, which I will come back to. 
So, April 27th, the exercise that was going to culminate in the landing was supposed to begin at 730. Uh, some of the LSTs were delayed that morning. Um, part of this was because there was like a little collision between a one of the boats and we're one of the, eh, hold on, I think I'm jumping ahead. Forget I said that. So several of the LSTs were delayed. Uh, the American Admiral Moon decided, well, that's okay. We'll just move the training back to 830. Like, in theory, that sounds fine, right? Like, oh, we're having an issue. We'll just move it back an hour. Yeah. Not all of the landing craft got that memo. So several of the landing craft landed at when they were supposed to at 730. So the Navy... Went on like they were thought they were supposed to. Like they're like, oh, people are landing. We're doing this, so they started their shelling. So that means when the second wave landed, they were actually being hit by live artillery. Because this was supposed to, it was over the heads of the first group that landed. Okay, wait, wait. So to clarify, where's this happening again? Slapped in sands. Slapped in sands. Devin so, so this is uh, exercise tiger. Yes. Okay. And this was the training session. They pushed it back an hour. Mm -hmm. But because they did that, not everyone got the memo. Not everyone knew that it was pushed back an hour. So people landed at 7.30, as they thought they were supposed to. They, the British commenced the firing for the exercise, like they thought they were supposed to. So that first wave that landed, the artillery was, actually, was going over their head, like it was supposed to. Mm -hmm. um, but So then the second wave lands, they're actually being hit by this live ammunition. Uh... The numbers that I found, at least 400, 450 Americans died by friendly fire. Wow. Because of a communication error. Oh, that's... This number has not been confirmed by government officials of either America or Britain. Okay. So that was April 27th. Um... Despite this, like, terrible tragedy that has happened the previous day, they're like, well, the show must go on. So, so just cleaned up the... Yeah, and there's, there's rumors that, like, they were... And between this and what happened the next day, that, like, dealing with casualties and bodies was really hasty and that there were, like, there was mass graves. There was a lot. A lot. So they decided to go on with the, you know, the training as normal. Um, so Convoy T4, which now consists of eight LSTs, um, because one of them was involved with a collision with one of the sh British naval ships that was part of the protection for the convoy. Um, so these eight LSTs are in a straight line with a Royal Naval ship at the head. Um, this is the HMS Azalea. It is leading this line to get into position for their landing. Um, I believe it was supposed to be at the back. There's the HMS Scimitar. This was the ship that was involved with the collision with the 9th LST. It suffered structural damage, so it was called back to Plymouth, which was like their naval blah, blah, blah. Like it's, it's a dry dock, basically. Yeah. It was called back to Plymouth to be repaired. The Americans and the British were not using the same radio frequencies. So the LSTs okay. were not aware that there was a change in the boats that were supposed to be protecting them. 
Um, another ship was dispatched to take its place, and that was the HMS Saladin. However, since it was dispatched late, it did not get to the convoy before the convoy was attacked by German e-boats. Um, and the e-boats, they are they're the super-fast boats. They are torpedo boats. Okay. So the German e-boats kind of roll up, and they see... So they're, they're going around their, their normal area in, like, Shorebor, Cherbor. Um, patrols. That area, yeah. And they notice that they're seeing less boats than usual. So they're like, well, that's weird. What the fuck is going on? So they go around and they find this convoy of the, the eight LSTs with the, the HMS Azalea. And they're like, well, this is odd. So they go into what's called like lurk mode or lurk or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they like it's um, which I think the, the U-boats also do this. They turn off all the lights. And this is like a naval tactic from a while ago. But okay. like they turn yeah, off all sense. the lights, they turn off the engines and they are completely silent. Right, so they can't be sensed. They can see everything. And they just watched them for at least an hour. I think it was more than that. Um, I want to say it was like an hour and a half. And so they just watched them. Okay. And they, they, they watch them for a while, and they're like, well, this is weird. Um, but they, so they can see that there's only one ship protecting this convoy. So there's this hole in security. So they, they can see that, that that can be exploited. Of course. Um, since the British and the Americans are not on the same radio frequency, that means that, like, the radio silence that's between the Allies is being broken. So the Germans can listen in on the frequency that they're talking to each other on because it's not, I don't, I can't think of what the word is. Like, I want to say. They haven't locked down their frequency? Yeah, I want to say encrypted, but I don't think that's the word I want. Yeah. But so the British is listening to them talking about this. Or not the British. The Germans are listening to them talking about what's going on. And they're like, well, this is our fucking shot. So they attack. As you would. Uh-huh. Um, the HMS Saladin did not get to the convoy in time to protect them. So the only protection that they had other than the weapons that they had on the LSTs was the, the HMS Azalea, which is at the front. So, so of course it gets hit hard <clears throat> and fast, right? Yeah. The LSTs were produced by America in, like, such quantities that they just gave them numbers. So you know how most American naval ships, they give names? Yeah. These only had numbers. Mm. So of the eight that they're, of the eight ones, I'm going to tell you about what happened to four of them specifically. Okay. Uh, LST-289 was set on fire, but it made it back to shore. Uh, 123 naval personnel were lost on that ship. LST-507 was torpedoed and sunk. 202 naval and army personnel were lost. So not only were the the naval personnel of these ships, there's also the army personnel that were going to do the landing. Uh, LST-511 was damaged by friendly fire. So it's dark because I want to say this happened at like 1.32 in the morning was when the the Germans finally attacked. Mm Mm-hmm. So they're shooting at anything that moves. So that means that a lot of what they're shooting at is each other. Uh, LST 531 sank within six minutes of being torpedoed. And there were 424 Army and Naval personnel lost. 
So also consider like their cargo is tanks and jeeps that are full of gasoline. So their cargo is extremely flammable. Right. I mean, the boats also carry large amounts of fuel. Mm-hmm. So this is just there's there's flammable stuff all over. Um, so going back to what I mentioned earlier, in one of the interviews I watched, one of the surviving officers uh, or surviving naval navy guys of both Exercise Tiger and the actual D-Day attack. He said that the the one that he was on, and he was part of the engineering crew, 90% of that LST was staffed by new recruits. And I think he said he was 19 at the time. Oh, wow. Um, so from the water, they recovered 248 bodies. The ninth LST that was damaged, I don't know, I don't remember what the number on that one was, the, the, it's speculated that all of the infantrymen that were going to be on that LST were on the LST 507 when it went down. Mm. Um, and then this is where we get more, like, there, there's so many casualties that they're just in a rush to, to deal with them, and you get, like, mass graves and blah, blah, blah. Um, because mm. the, the cargo on these ships was, you know, so flammable... There, was, there were gas fires on the ocean, and a lot of the people that were in the ocean burned to death Right in the water. Gosh, that's just a weird thing to think about, just mm-hmm. burning alive in water. Um, so British destroyers were going around, like, trying to rescue people from the water, survivors. I watched one uh, interview with a guy where, like, they pulled him out of the water, and, like, he was hypothermic, Um and he's just talking about how he remembers, like, he was like, it was a British ship, so they offered me tea, and it was the best thing I ever had in my life. Um, there was another guy that was, I don't think he was pulled out by a British ship, but they pulled him out of the water, and they thought he was dead. So they threw him on the stack with the dead bodies, and somebody noticed that he was foaming at the mouth and, like, pulled him off and, like, resuscitated him. Oh, man. Um, so when this happened, the LSTs were given the orders to scatter, get back to land, like, get the fuck out of the way. Uh, one of the LSTs, I don't remember exactly which one it was, I think it was 515, it broke ranks, disobeyed orders, and went through and collected over 100 people from the water. So there could have been a whole lot more people that died during this attack. Right. Um, because this one ship went through and pulled people from the water. A lot of the deaths were due to drowning. So the army personnel were given naval issue life belts. So if I tell you if it's a life belt, where are you going to wear it? I waste. That will kill you. The life belts have to be worn, like, up around your armpits. Okay. So, you know, I can't think of who it is, but they're like, oh, put this on high and tight. I feel like that's something they tell you on an airplane, but I don't think that's right. Um, maybe it's, I don't know. Um, if they are worn too low. So the, the thing with these is that they work really well if they are put on correctly. So why don't they call them like a life chassis or like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, like, if you look at it, it makes sense because it's just like a strip. So, but also like... That's where I would put it, too, is around my waist, because it's right. a belt. belt. You um, call it a belt. <laughs> yeah, so if, you, if it's worn around the waist, when it inflates, it will flip you upside down. 
had a feeling that that's why you don't want to wear it too well. Combine this with the fact that these in- infantrymen are wearing heavy packs. They couldn't they, swing around, so they just drown themselves. Um, yeah, so like they couldn't move around a whole lot, so Was they got flipped them, upside like, down. Disengage it after they inflate it? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, but also, like, think about you've got this thing that is super complicated to put on and has to be done really correctly. Uh-huh. The ship you're on is on fire. You're actively being shelled. People around you are freaking out because they don't want to die. Okay. That's gotcha. not... I wasn't sure that was just part of their normal gear that they always just had equipped. No, so these are army men that have been given naval issue things. Oh. So part of this was that they were not okay. given enough training with these things. Yeah, that might have helped. Um... Cat, stop! Yeah, just <laughs> exploring. There you go, buddy. Lay down. Um, also, helmets. So you put the helmet on. You've got your trim. On your staff. head, right? Don't yeah. tell me I put it anywhere else. No, no, no. That goes on your head. But so you've got your trim- chin strap on to keep your helmet on. You hit the water. The force of the water pushes the helmet up, snaps your neck back. A lot of guys broke their neck. So you've got these two things that are supposed to protect you and keep you alive that were responsible for a lot of casualties. Um, and this whole attack happened rather quickly. So the, the E-boats attacked, and when the other ships started to fire back, they, they cut and ran. They were like, well, we're done now. Um, and like I said, that one sunk within th- six minutes of being torpedoed. Um, D-Day, the invasion in Normandy, was almost called off because there were 10 officers that could not be recovered that had high, um, high clearance, that knew about it. And so they were, like... What do you mean not recovered? Like, they died in that... Yeah, like, they they didn't, they couldn't find them. Okay. Um, their bodies were later recovered, and they were like, okay, phew, but... Like, they had high clearance, so so they... Right, so they're not sure if they're captured, uh or... Yeah. Immediately after this happened, a secrecy order was issued from General Eisenhower, which I can understand because they were still going to go after the... I mean, they were still going forward with the invasions at Normandy. Right. But the people that died in Exercise Tiger were not given a proper military burial until 1994. What? And that is disgusting. 50 years? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, a secrecy order till after D-Day, maybe... When Eisenhower gave his report about, like, all of the invasion stuff, he gave one paragraph to Operation Tiger, or Exercise Tiger, and that was it. And one of the things that he mentioned was he wanted to test the enemy's reaction to the Allies scaling up their war efforts, which you can bet he didn't tell any of the people on those boats. And I think that's a real shitty thing to do to someone. Like so, he wanted, so he 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 wanted to see what the Germans would do to knowing that they were practicing war games, basically. So he offered up lies as like an easy, kind of like, of, like basically like a test, like a so clinical trial of war. He gambled and he lost. Yeah, um, most of the families of the people that were missing in action didn't get any closure. So a lot of them still don't know how their loved ones died. So basically, it sounds to me like that secrecy order was put in place not just to protect the landing, possibly. I think a lot of it was because of embarrassment. 
Oh, for for fucking sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would. I wouldn't be embarrassed. I would feel like a freaking monster if I had done that. Admiral Moon. Uh, Who's Admiral Moon? So he was the guy who was like, oh, well, we're late. We'll just move it back an hour, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yes. Um, okay. Three months after this happened, he killed himself. Oh. Um, I didn't find anything else about that, but I can assume that probably some of it had to do with guilt. Because, sure. I mean, being in that kind of position of power where a ton of people were killed by friendly fire and then a ton of people were killed because people weren't prepared Right. Like or that, communication. Uh-huh. Like as easy as just knowing not to do something. Yeah. Man. Um I one of the things that I watched had some people that they were like, my great uncle was involved in this. And like all we we got this letter that was like, so and so has been killed in, in action. And they were like, Well, what the fuck? He was stationed in Britain. How did he, how was he killed in action? Or is like missing in action? And they didn't like they didn't get any more information. Right. Um, there's one guy who's like one of the foremost researchers on this that went through one of the registries of the dead in, I want to say St. Peter's, but I don't think that's it. It's a church that's in, I don't know, I want to say London, but that, no, well, that might actually be London. Um, because there's a lot of discrepancies between the death count numbers okay. from the militaries. Like, there's not a whole lot of, like, definitive, this is how many people died as a result of blah, blah, blah. Um, so the one of the best estimates I was able to find, and I'd, I'd say best lightly, because this was just, like, the title of um, a documentary that it's something like, why did blah, blah, blah people die in this year, blah, blah, blah. But um, that estimate was 946. But my math is closer to 1,199. Okay, when you say your math. So if you add in all of the, like, the death count numbers for all of the LSTs. Okay. Um, and I think I have another, somewhere else I have a total listing of. Every other couch the, I must have skipped it. Here it is. Um, so total for, like, including the numbers from the LSTs, mm-hmm. there were 749 Army and Navy personnel left lost. So that was 551 Army, 198 Naval. There were zero German casualties, zero British casualties. No, so no one got any of this the boats. This was all, all of the people that died in Exercise Tiger were American. They were American troops. Um, so like when you add that to the estimate of about 450 from the previous day, like that was closer to 1,199, um, give or take about 110 from any estimate. Mm -hmm. Um, cause this guy who went through the registry found about 110 people that died around the same time, but seemed to die in different circumstances, not related to exercise tiger. So, basically, same time, same place, different reason. Um, right now, um, I think a couple of years ago, somebody did, like, a memorial where they they did a dive down to the two LSTs that sank, and they put plaques on them and American flags. Mm-hmm. Um, that was not done by, 
I don't think anyone involved in the American military. Um, I think it may have been like a veterans association or it could have been someone else entirely. Um, there is a rusted Sherman tank now that stands at Slapton Sands as a memorial. Um, there was another memorial that was placed further down the beach that had victims' names on it. Um, a lot of the names that are on that list are people that still have never been recovered. Uh, so wreckage from this was washing up at Slapton Sands, like even into the early 90s, late 90s. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if it's still coming up. Um, a guy named Ken Small, who lives in the area, was like found like pieces of wreckage washing up on the beach. Um, he was like a beachcomber type guy. Okay. Um, and he, so he eventually bought the rights from the U.S. government to a submerged tank that belonged to the 70th Tank Battalion. And that is the tank that they, so they removed it from the ocean, and that's the one that stands as a memorial. Uh, the local villagers were way more assistance in making this happen than either the U.S. or U.K. militaries. Like, they didn't help at all. This so was, it was just the villagers that this primarily was did this? The people that live in Slapton that wow. were like, hey, this happened. We need to remember these people. Uh, there's a small plaque in Arlington Cemetery that is just labeled Exercise Tiger, Exercise Tiger Memorial. There's also a, uh, a plaque on Utah Beach in Normandy on the wall of a former German anti-aircraft bunker. Um, and some sometime I will have to talk about the the wall that the the Axis powers built along France, because that is also fucking bananas. Um, the, so there is one German e-boat mm. that is still in existence. Okay. And that is one of the e-boats that was involved in that attack on Exercise Tiger. It oh. is currently being restored in dry dock in Plymouth in Devon. And that's why, like, they showed pictures of this. And, like, to me, it's massive. Um... And so that's being restored in England. Uh, but so there was, yeah, four times as many people died in the training exercise than did when they actually did the landing on Normandy at Utah Beach. Um, and this, it was weird because I was, the interviews that were, were talking to people, like people that had died during these, it was like people from the Graves crew, which their job at Normandy Normandy would have been to go through and find, like, the people that died during the landing. They would collect them. They would leave the paper trail so that people know what happens. And that's part of what happened with this is that there was, like, the paper trail was really crappy. Nobody knew how anybody died because, like, they just, it wasn't written down. And so there's this cool, there's, there's a whole cemetery in England that's just American soldiers whose family was like, no, we're going to leave them there. We're not going to bring them back to American soil um, for whatever reason. But there's, and there's also a wall kind of in the, like, Vietnam okay. style where it's just got names. Whenever someone in their family, like, when someone in their family goes to visit their final resting spot, they take sand from the beach at Normandy and they rub it over the name so it gets pressed into the indentations which I think is kind of a cool way to oh, yeah. memorialize these people. That's very cool. Um, there was, I had one other thing that was written down that I was like, oh, ah. Um, so we had this tremendous loss of life, and it's 
really awful. And just like learning about this, I was like, this could have been avoided so many different times. Um, no kidding. But as a result of the exercise tiger tragedy, when they did the actual landing at Utah Beach and like just the whole D-Day invasion, radio f- frequencies had been standardized. So the allies that were involved were all oh working on Oh, I would hope so by then. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. They were all working on the same radio frequency. Um, there had been better life vest training for the landing troops. And they were using small wooden crafts to go around and remove floating survivors from the water. So instead of having, you know, destroyers and battleships trying to pick up people from the water, there was small boats that were able to move quickly, get people in, get back to safety. At least they learned from it. Yeah. And that's operator. That's exercise tiger. So yeah, it was. It's not a karate move. It, no. It's not. It's fucking bananas. It's not an old movie with Bruce Lee. <laughs> no. Jeez Louise. And it's. It's heartbreaking. Insane. And when you listen to these people talk about, like, they, they don't know what happened. Um, one of the, the people that was interviewed, like, I think it was their grandfather. It was someone they were related to. They were a truck driver. Why should they have died in this attack? Like, how were they anywhere near this? Like, that's how much of just like a total disaster this was. And like the guy on the graves crew that died, like, why? And the, like, yeah. there was one guy that they interviewed who, he was not particularly high up in the chain of command, but he suddenly was in command of an LST because everyone above him died. And he was one of the lucky ones that was pulled from the one that sank in six minutes. Mm. So it was, it, it's insane. I think we've learned some stuff here today. <laughs> I think, here's what I've learned. <laughs> If you make mistakes, acknowledge them, learn from it, don't do it ever again. <laughs> yeah, and the when I think it was when like the community at Slapped in like was like we want to put these these things up, blah blah blah. Like neither of the militaries helped, but then later on, I think when it was the same like association at Slapton's at Slapton that was like we want to put up this memorial on the on Slapton Sands Beach that has the names of the people that were lost. The US military was like, oh, all right, I guess that's a thing you could do. And the British military was like, meh. So it's just incredible to me how there was this huge loss of life. And no one cares. Like it it, yeah. it, it blows my mind. It does. Insanity. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) What an eventful episode. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I know we both said we had some heavy stuff to talk about. Go watch something exciting. Please do. (laughs) Don't let this be how you end your day. (laughs) Well, shall we we roll for next episode? Yeah. Let's figure out what we're rolling with. Uh, All right. I have. This looks like. Everything's falling apart. I've got a Chessex. This is a Vortex Dandelion, which I want to say is going out of print. So if you like it, you should get it. And That's cool. I will tell you, it looks better in person than it does in pictures. I personally think it's real pretty, and I'm not like a super like, ooh, green, yellow, yay. Like, I like it a lot. All right. So 
I have rolled a two. You rolled a two? Oh, what is a two again? Here you go. There's the book. The book of knowledge. Yep. There's our Bible. Okay. What does the survey say? A two. True crime! Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Again, you're just winning at all those. Let's see. Try to clean up my dice bag. It's a total mess. All right. So here's what we're going to do. I already have my two picked. Since you described yours, I have this nice, like, what'd you say? It's like pearlescent? Like, not, not, I mean, it's not really pink. It's it's like a sparkly Yeah, white. there's definitely glitter. Like, it kind of reminds me of, um, like, Wiz Dice Sparkle Vomit, but that is definitely not what this is. Okay. Then we are going to roll that one, and just in case I have my D6 already out... Let's see, so we'll do that, and we'll do this, and I'm going to roll it on your mat here. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. You got six. six. What's six? What I got? Entertainment. Oh, again, huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad we're sticking to our roots. We will have to find some sort of protocol for, you know, in case we each roll the same. Do we... Should we make an executive rule right now where if we've already done it until we go through all of them? We just have to roll? Uh, I think we could probably wait until it's happened a couple more times Definitely. before we do that. Okay. Um. Gotcha. Okay. But yeah, cool. so. So. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Thanks, um, guys. Until next time, keep asking what the fuck. Bye! Bye! If you've got something to say, you can find us on Anchor at anchor.fm slash WTFpod. You can email us at wtf.podcast.mail at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at WTFAYTA podcast. That's WTFAYTA, that's our acronym, podcast. Our music is by Decker Hinckley and our artwork is by Kirby Morfitt. Do you know how to play them? Huh? Um, I have a book that was teaching me some stuff. I was learning how to do pitch bending. I have somewhere on my bookshelves, or maybe it's on my bookshelf at home, have The Idiot's Guide to Playing Harmonica. The Idiot's Guide? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the thing. When I was a baby child, I was like, I want to play the harmonica. So I got that book. Well, it's just a nice portable I did not get a harmonica. I just have the book. I just have a book. Well, I have two harmonicas, so there you go. <laughs> Let's see.